What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Patrick Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, guess what I bought? I don't know, sir. I bought that year-long subscription to Movie Pass. Hell yes! Oh, they can send me the email. I'm willing to sign up as well. <laughs> yeah, last night. So I, I had bought my Movie Pass subscription on Friday. Then you sent me that article by Variety talking about how they have a year-long one for ninety dollars, yep. which is first of all ridiculous. Like doing the math out, the theater I go to—I don't know if this is everybody's theater at this point—fifteen dollars. Yeah, boy. For a, a nighttime showing, not a matinee. You're in the tri-state, so it's a lot. Yeah. So for me, that's six movies. I, I figure I'll, I'll get my money's worth by like February. Yeah, exactly. Kind of crazy. <laughs> and just to end the movie pass thought, I've seen seven movies this month of November in the theater. Mm. It's pretty ridiculous. That is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Basically, every time I go on Twitter, you're reviewing another movie. So yeah. Hey, hit me with those takes at Martin Swagger. Slave to the culture. So we're going to jump into a couple of topics today. Our main ones, Mr. Robot and Justice League, which will be at the end. But we start off with uh, your boy, Stan, not dropping his yeah. album. What do you make of this? Why didn't he drop the album as expected? We had a lot of viral marketing with the revival is what we think the album is called. I mean, I, I don't think he's really, they haven't really spoke about that. You know, anyone at Aftermath or Shady or Eminem himself and yeah, we only had the one Walk on Water song, which was, like, what, just last week? Mm-hmm. And it's a very serious song, whether you like it or not, so it's not the best single. Right. And that's all we got, so like, it kind of makes sense if you think about traditional album rollout that it wasn't going to come out Friday. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, the, the lack of communication is a little strange. But, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, as if you listened last week at soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod, you would have heard that I couldn't care less. Yeah, and if you guys want to check that out, please go. Dave works very hard to clip out our uh, conversation so you can access what you want to access. And while you're there, give us a, a subscription. We should be right around here YouTube. somewhere. Also find all of our content, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Stay plugged in. Yeah, it's, it's funny. He went So he went on SNL, right? And he's the musical guest along with Chance the Rapper, which, I mean, if you mm-hmm. have Chance the Rapper, just have Chance be the musical guest. He's been doing late night a lot lately, so yeah, he's he's on that circuit. Just, yeah, it's not like he's promoting anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, he actually talked about that in the opening, how he's just there to for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's it's actually kind of nice. The famous person now. Yeah. So Eminem goes on. He does uh, walk. Was it Walk on Water? That's the song. Correct. And he's got Skylar Gray, who was fucking phenomenal, dude. She killed it. She and she sang the Beyonce part. She sang the Dido part, and she sang the Rihanna part in the three songs. So it goes from Walk on Water to okay. Stan to love the way you lie and the first song is about how hard it is that people consider him to be washed up now and then he does a song that's 17 years old and seven years old i mean <laughs> talk about irony dude just doesn't get it at this point it's too bad See, i don't think he's dropped in 444 no. i'll tell you that old woke album so yeah, it's yeah. disappointing but i don't care and stan goes so hard it was like kind of sad to like go from walk on water yeah. to stan because i was like god damn it <laughs> What happened? Mm-hmm. But anyways, why don't we jump into some things I think we are excited for. At least I'm interested to hear your, your take. So, American Crime Story, People vs. OJ, Season 1. I mean, got a lot of accolades, very well-respected show. Many Emmys. Yeah, and Season 2, I, I thought it was supposed to be based on Katrina. Seems like that's been pushed out a bit. Right, I mean, that was the initial Season 2 with Sarah Paulson leading. Right. And that's now going to be Season 3, because they pushed that back in this new one, the assassination of... Gianni Versace 
is set to premiere the January 17th, right around the corner. The first trailer for it dropped very recently. And it yep. looks like, I mean, just kind of looking over this cast, not as star-studded season one, which, I mean, to, for those who didn't watch or have been living under a rock for the, the past year, season one had Sterling K. Brown, it had Cuba Gooding Jr., John Travolta, and not even touching on like half of them at this point. Sarah uh, Paulson. Sarah Paulson, right. This season, Penelope Cruz is probably the headliner. But overall, just a solid cast. And your boy, Ricky Martin, bringing that <laughs> living La Vida Loca to the the small screen near you. What do you think? I mean, Darren Chris is playing Andrew Quinan, Cunanan, actually. Sorry if I mispronounced that. And Annalie Ashford is playing Elizabeth Cody, which seemed to be like the two headliners penelope cruz playing donatella versace are you excited based on this trailer yeah no i think it looks cool i mean this is ryan murphy's just a machine mm-hmm. and while we're not fans of american horror story american crime story had such a such a strong season one that you got to figure their budget went up a little bit for this for season two and i mean yeah no sarah paulson this time around but i have to trust the brand at this point I mean, it's only, they only had one successful season. Yeah, but Ryan Murphy has been such a successful creator of TV right. that if FX is going to you know, have confidence in him with a cast mm-hmm. that's not quite as star-studded this time around, I feel like you, you have to at least give him a chance. The dude loves shots of people with their faces either covered or wrapped up. You know, I'm surprised Tom Hardy hasn't worked with him yet based <laughs> on that. But that, that scene where he's got the uh, duct tape wrapped around the guy's head is fucking yeah. terrifying but also gets me so amped to see where the season goes it, it does have a different vibe than the first scene the first season was more or less retelling t- the tale of the tape basically but this right. one looks a little more neurotic because we have the uh, assassin as a main character so definitely interesting and i mean dropping third week of january there's not a whole lot premiering then it's just all the returning network stuff mm-hmm. so mr robot will be done by then so it's probably a great window to perhaps dominate this is when young pope came out last year so I was gonna say. little lies so it's a good window yeah definitely I, I think american crime story is gonna dominate the first quarter of the year another show that will actually will be dropping a little bit sooner easy season two an anthology series on netflix which we reviewed on soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod back in like what october of last year does that sound right yes it's about, it's right about a year ago yeah last fall late summer we, we were pretty high on the show. There, there were some ups and downs. I think one very controversial episode. But I think the thing we liked most about the show was that it kind of jumped from character to character, rarely ever touched on the same characters twice. Very interesting perspectives. Season two seems to be kind of running back in a way from the trailer with a couple of people added in. What, what were your thoughts on the trailer? It's exactly spot on. You have a lot of people returning, mm-hmm. like, uh, like Dave Franco and Aya Cash from You're the Worst, among others. And then there's some new people in there as well. So I wasn't actually sure if Easy Season 2 would exist because there was really no announcement one way or the other. There was no mm-hmm. buzz or even reporting on the production. And then the Netflix fashion, hey, by the way, it's going to drop another, what, eight episodes, ten episodes? Right. On 12-1, so eight episodes. I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm glad that it's coming back. I was kind of hoping if it did come back from a season two, it would follow totally new people. Just kind of keep jumping from person to person, I guess, checking back in with these characters. Especially when you have this kind of talent. I mean, like, Zazie Beats is one of the people, which, if you can get her... She's back. Yeah. Kiersey Clemens is back. And they added Aubrey um, Plaza. Yep. Mark Maron's back, obviously, really high right now after Glow. Mm-hmm. Emily Ratajkowski, not back. I actually really enjoyed her, despite her not being an actress. Yeah, I thought she was she was good in her episode. Now you got Aubrey Plaza, like you said, Joel Truglio, a lot of talent in this. And then I mean Joe Swanberg, not really a household name, but he's been known to make a lot of movies with Jake Johnson, uh, mm-hmm. Windwall on Netflix this summer, and 
really kind of pioneered the mumblecore genre <laughs> alongside uh, Greta Gerwig's, who now, Greta Gerwig who just did Lady Bird. So Joe Swamber is an interesting guy in Hollywood, and it's nice to see Netflix just give him a chance to run it back because they clearly have a great relationship. Definitely. So we'll, we'll definitely be checking in and giving our thoughts on Easy Season 2 once it drops. We'll probably be doing it in chunks as we did with Stranger Things especially with a series like that there's no need to watch it all at once uh, no one's going to be talking about it uh, as heavily as stranger things but you should yes you listening at home because it's it's good shit Definitely. and yeah it was la- last september it was when it came out last year so a little over a year it's a nice turnaround definitely something that we haven't been talking about but we've been saying we're going to talk about for like the last three <laughs> weeks mr robot dude a show that we <laughs> really really like i would say it's probably our second favorite show on tv to game of thrones would you agree that's correct Yes, yes. With Fargo slipping a little bit, yep. it's, yeah, no doubt. So season three has been an interesting season. Season two left off on a really interesting cliffhanger. Spoiler for those who have not caught up. Basically, Tyrell Wellick ends up shooting Mr. Robot slash Elliot at the end of last season. This season has been delving even further into Elliot's psyche, which I think is the parts of the show that we like the most. But there's been a lot of I feel like there's been a lot of fat on the bone in a way. What have your initial thoughts on the season been? Yeah, so I like the Mr. Robot Elliot relationship mm-hmm. split personality, which was of course the big reveal of season one. It's being manifested and shown in a different way this season, where in season two, almost no, not almost to a fault, season two was too surreal in Elliot's head so much with the fake mm-hmm. out with him being in jail the whole time and whatnot. So uh, the new direction we have now, it's a little more little more plot, but as Sam Esmiles says, it's never really that much about the plot. Right. But the, the conflict between Elliot and Mr. Robot manifests itself in a new way because they're, they're almost fighting each other. And when Elliot's like regaining consciousness and, oh, wait, I just lost 20 minutes. What did Mr. Robot do? Or I, w- I woke up and he was taking over all night. I, I think it's just the way that Esmael uh, has got that conflict into the story i think it's working a little better than it did last season but what do, what do you mean by the fat where do you think the fat is this season well it's like what's the episode where tyrell is basically like all about tyrell was that C- episode two i think that was episode four episode four uh, metadata is that right no. but yeah i mean that was a complete bottle episode a flashback episode of sorts with how tyrell escaped the dark army like hit him Right. Which is something we totally didn't need, even if it was well done in its own right. It was, it was so superfluous. Yeah, it, it just seemed kind of like maybe they had like eight and a half episodes like written out for the season. They're like, eh, we could elongate Tyrell's episode, maybe yeah. even give him... I think also because he had been such a mysterious character up to that point, maybe they felt like fans needed to see that. But I think they could have fit that into 20 to 30 minutes of an episode. Yeah, I mean, that was episode three, by the way. Okay. But I mean, yeah, my takeaway, we're six episodes in of a 10-episode season. Mm-hmm. And leaving, especially where we're at now with season six, with Tyrell getting rested. Right. I mean, even before that had happened, I was thinking, I think Tyrell has become more ancillary. I think the character has more or less run its course for the show. Yeah. I mean, if you listen back to uh, past pods, we started this before season two uh, premiered. So (laughs) where is Tyrell? Excitement, yes, about Tyrell was really crazy. Yeah. We, we almost built it up too much in our own heads. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think if you watch the season, I think Tyrell's arc is coming to a close, I'd say, whether he's, I don't think he's necessarily going to get axed right away, but especially when you see uh, Joanna's death uh, right. being killed early in the season. I mean, that really, when she got shot and, like, totally, totally got, I actually, like, stood up out of my, my <laughs> the chair I was watching, and I, was, I, like, totally didn't see it coming. 
despite the fact that she was being attacked. Right. And then when Roxette's uh, Listen to Your Heart song comes in, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I thought that scene was uh, scored perfectly. I've actually rewatched it since I watched the episode. The, the, the Wellicks seem to be on their way out. I was watching and I, I got a text like right before that scene. So I was kind of like mm. looking at it while I was going. And then I like heard the gunshots. I looked up and I had to rewind because I was watching on DVR. Yep. And I was like, oh, shit. Like it was really one of those moments that I think even though maybe if you like look back, you could have seen something like that coming. You just don't expect it. And then, yeah, it right. was scored I really perfectly. didn't. I think the episode everybody's talking about has been episode five, Runtime Error, yeah, which was basically definitely. like a, a single tracking shot, or maybe not a tracking shot, but basically just following them around in a way. Between Elliot the illusion and- of a single shot. Right. right. Uh, that was that episode was masterclass in tension. It was superb. And I, I think, actually, I liked the episode after it more. So Kill Process, six, yeah. episode six, which aired last week, that and Runtime Error were basically the same story, Yep. Bought, turned into two episodes. The parts that I really like about Mr. Robot is the chances it takes, and nothing on TV looks like it. It doesn't. No. Nothing on TV has a story like this, and I, I think especially in Kill Process, like the moments that are almost like darkly funny are what make Mr. Robot so endearing and, and pleasure to watch. Because while Runtime Error was just so cool and like the tension of it, like Angela basically trying to get through this, I don't break into Evil Corp and like survive and not get hurt or found out yes is, yeah. was so tension filled but then like seeing elliot walk down that hallway in episode six and when mr robot starts taking over in those like glitches and he just hits like a wall or like falls yeah. over it's funny but at the same time you're like oh man like this is all so beautifully done and it's like comical but dramatic and then the face-off between robot and elliot i was just like like i didn't breathe throughout that whole like three minutes it was crazy i think overall it's a season about character dynamics and how they've changed since the start of the show Mm -hmm. we already talked about elliot versus mr robot it's obviously the central character dynamic but angela manipulating elliot's personalities in order to commit terrorism for Mm -hmm. her cause of justice i mean she's changed so much and even darlene for a time manipulating and lying to Elliot right. on behalf of the FBI. And then last episode, episode six, uh, concludes with stage two coming to a conclusion. 71 E-Corp buildings go up, thousands of people killed, and the tunnel vision of the characters, both Elliot and Dom, effectively both on the same side, but they were so laser-focused. Elliot on the one New York City building and Dom on her white whale of Tyrell, I mean... Mm-hmm. It's just watching all of this unfold while we have no fucking clue what White Rose really wants the whole time as the evil mastermind puppet master at Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's wonderful. I w- I'm wondering, because basically the first like five, half of the season has been about Elliot trying to find a way to stop that attack. And then just finding out that even though he was able to stop the attack at that one location, White Rose just decides to blow everything else up and basically half of the season was kind of wasted in terms of like what were they trying to do with the plot did you feel at all frustrated by that no i don't think so i mean i wonder what the true purpose of it is i mean it seems like it's a pissing contest between white rose and price but we still don't really know what white rose and thus the dark army want mm-hmm. i mean they annexed the congo in this place in 2015 obama's still president but they're making trump digs right uh, so it's never been a show that's been focus on the plot as Ismael said and season two was so plot light that I think we're getting so much action and conflict in season three that I I don't have a complaint yeah I think the reason that 
I don't feel frustrated by it is one this is more like you said like you keep reiterating it's more a story about this person who is trying to deal with his mental health and the people around him and how it impacts them and how they impact him but also i think this is really like white rose flexing white, white rose has been this like kind of like myth and we were finding out more and more about bd wong's white rose but i really think this kind of shows like all right this person could try to stop us but we're just gonna kill thousands of more people and basically have the second biggest terrorist attack on american soil N- nothing can really stop me i, I can create destruction if i want to so it just kind of proves that there's like a bigger bad out there that they're facing than just what Elliot and they all seem to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. Tunnel vision has come, yeah. resulted in, in a terror. So what happens next is still four more episodes. White Rose is a series regular this season, so we'll get more of, more of her. Yeah, shout out Bobby Cannavale, by the way, is Irving. Yeah, I was going to say, Ir- Irving's been great. He's killing it. Bobby Cannavale has never been more charming than on this, especially not on that, <laughs> I can't even think of it. What was that rock and roll show on HBO? Vinyl. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> I knew it was like a stupid one word title oh god he was good on master of none season two as a yeah uh, harvey weinstein-esque fella yeah more like a well acted uh, <laughs> by the way uh right right before we logged on i saw charlie rose is the most recent celebrity to be accused of sexual harassment so it's just the names keep piling up dude keep going out horrible let, let it happen drain the swamp as they say anyways maybe something we were pessimistic or not expecting great things from unlike mr robot was justice league which we both saw over the weekend i went friday afternoon had a very interesting crowd with me N- near the end of the movie someone actually stood up and clapped after they beat the, the bad guy which we uh, steppenwolf which we'll get into and then after okay. the, the credits ran and the final scene was cast, someone just shouted out, get better writers next time. So <laughs> it was divisive, to say the least, in the movie crowd I was at. Yeah. There's, I think, a lot to unpack here. So where would you want, where do you want to start with this Justice League discussion? So you're right. There's a lot to deconstruct. So I'm going to start with the macro real world stuff. So Justice League is fifth film in the DCEU, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, this year's Wonder Woman, the, the one film that was universally loved and claimed, mm-hmm. and now we have Justice League. And you look at the box office numbers, $96 million, the first time in history that $96 million domestic is considered a disappointment. It's mm-hmm. hilarious, yep. but that's the fact. And that's versus a production budget that's around $300 million, because as you might have heard if you were on Twitter this summer, Justice League underwent extensive reshoots this summer when Zack Snyder, who was the architect of BVS and kind of this whole modern DCU in general as the main director, mm-hmm. he had to step away from Justice League due to a personal family tragedy. And Joss Whedon came in. Joss Whedon, of course, mm-hmm. Firefly, Fame, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and of course, Avengers 1 and 2. And Joss Whedon is much more dialogue-y, quippy, uh, yep. funny, if you will. And you can kind of see that when you watch this movie because about a third of the movie was reshot and there are these scenes that are just lighter and more snappy and t- that are just so tonally different than the Zack Snyder self-serious <laughs> stuff. And while the movie is very jarring in that regard, and in a sense, some people, DC fans, kind of feel like WB threw Snyder under the bus, I kind of am not mad because if this movie was 100% serious and this was a Snyder movie... It would admit that. And I'm saying that as someone who loves 300 and really likes Watchmen. I'm not an anti-Snyder guy. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just think his vision for this universe is just not working. So it's almost like, thank God, that Whedon stepped in and made it as light as he possibly could. 
But the fact remains that no matter who made it, whether it was Snyder or Whedon, 100%, it's a pretty middling script, and it almost feels like it's a movie from like six years ago with a villain that's so one-dimensional and so CGI. So if you look at it in that regard, it's kind of a movie out of place because, I mean, the DCU was, Batman vs. Superman was basically a reaction to Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman, when he's fighting Zod at the end, when he's fighting the immaculate Michael Shannon, he's doing it in the city, killing tons of people and they're wrecking all these skyscrapers. Right. Superman would never do that. He would fight in the ocean. He would fight in a field somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So what they do in BVS, they overcorrected. You have the news people saying, Batman and Superman are fighting at this abandoned island where nobody <laughs> lives. And then Suicide Squad was already basically done by the time the Batman vs. Superman negative reaction came out. So what they do, uh, they re-shot the shit David Ayer's movie and made it much more funny mm-hmm. as much as they could. But it was still this ridiculous story fighting Enchantress, these street-level thugs fighting this godly villain. It just, again, right. it didn't really work. And then we have Wonder Woman, which has finally stepped in the right direction. A movie that's not big, has all these moving parts. Gal Gadot's great, and Chris Pine's great in supporting role. It's awesome, and you totally forgive a CGI villain and a CGI-heavy third act because the rest of the movie was so strong. Justice League, again, the train had already left the station by the time Wonder Woman was so good. So I look at this movie, and I give it a bit of a pass because it clearly is a product of a pre-Wonder Woman DC. Right. So... When I look at it in that angle, and you see the fan reaction, and they say, we're kind of happy we're left off with the characters, I can understand that. But the fact remains that it's not a good movie, if you look at it, you know, just on its own. Not the monologue for 10 minutes, sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, well, I wanted to let, let you uh, ISO for a bit. Uh, first of all, shout out Chris Pine. I think he should have been named the sexiest fan alive. Blake Shelton, I mean... What, what, are we, fuck, what, are, what are we doing <laughs> anyways jumping back into justice league i, I agree with, with most of what you said i don't like if i had to grade this movie i'd probably give it like a, a c c plus and i think i think just like taking it as like a superhero movie there were moments i really enjoyed yeah ezra miller was just he was like a lightning bolt on the screen which is funny because he was basically the flash you know, he was the flash in character yeah <laughs> and he was fantastic and it really almost was like after wonder woman that conversation between Bruce Wayne and Wonder Woman basically being like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And what talking about how Wonder Woman needs to be the leader was literally like a very meta conversation. Wonder Woman needs to become the lead of DC Universe yep. in order for their movies to be successful. And I really think it did a good job of shaping what things can look like moving forward. The Flash movie, I'm very excited to see now, which if this hadn't gone well and Ezra Miller wasn't good in this, I probably would have skipped that one. Cyborg, I thought, was a character that... Uh, I don't know. I have some thoughts about Cyborg. Brooding teenager. I think trying to have him figure out his emotional side to his situation in a movie like this didn't really feel in place. I I believe he had some scenes that were already cut, and this was originally going to be two movies, so a lot of stuff was condensed or totally Mm. cut from this movie. But yeah, I think Cyborg, people will take him or leave him after this. I I think that that makes sense, that it was supposed to be two movies. Yeah, Steppenwolf as a villain is just shit. The Ringer uh, recently did a rewatchables podcast on the Dark Knight, and just listening to them, great podcast, <laughs> and them talking about Heath Ledger as the Joker just even enhanced my experience of Steppenwolf as a shitty villain. Nothing to him, very CGI'd. I don't know. That's my thing when I listen to or I read, listen to positive stuff. And again, if if you like the movie, love the movie, that's mm-hmm. awesome. I, I'm happy it's pleasing some people. That's a great start, you right. know, for the future of this franchise, Wonder Woman you know, independent. But if all you wanted your movie villain to do was 
be a plot MacGuffin to get the people together and motivate them. I just think that's a low expectation. And yes, we can look at Loki and Avengers. Is he doing anything that different plot-wise? No, but I think because the rest of the movie is better, Mm -hmm. written better, looks better. Thankfully, only had one director. Like the rest of Avengers works so well that a basic villain plot like Loki's, who was introduced beforehand, but regardless, it 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 just functions better. The problem with Justice League is all these issues kind of compound and they stand out because there's nothing can pick up the slack. Right. You know. So Steppenwolf being so CGI heavy Mm -hmm. and so one-dimensional that he almost makes me like Apocalypse or X-Men Apocalypse. (laughs) Shout out Oscar Isaac, by the way. Yeah, oh my god. Kieran Hines, Man's Raider for Game of Thrones, is the voice of Steppenwolf. But, I mean, both those guys, totally thankless roles. Get your check. Seriously. (laughs) Well, that's that's a lot of people in this movie. And also, just like the emotional moments they were supposed to hit, everything after Superman is revived. First of all, I have a major issue with that scene where he comes back to life. The one thing you need to make sure is safe, other than, I guess, the rest of mankind, is the mother box. Is the mother box, and no one remembers the mother box. Like literally, yeah. <laughs> the, when, when I described it to people, I, I, like my girlfriend asked like about the movie, and I was like, he literally just walks in and takes that box and is out, and there's like no fight to stop him. It's like what? Like just someone guard the mother box. Have the flash like standing near it. One thing that kind of annoyed me is there was no doubt as an audience right. viewer, that they were going to resurrect Superman. Right. Henry Cavill was, we knew he was in the movie. Yeah. He was basically doing press for the movie. So why do we spend so much screen time with them deliberating? <sighs> Should we do this? No, no. I mean, I like the grave digging scene of Flash and Cyborg. That was really funny. Yeah. But everything else was just, you take it or you leave it. And, I mean, let's think Let's think of Aquaman. Some stuff I loved about Aquaman, I think. I like Jason Momoa's take on the character. It's a character that very few people have any connection with, so by all means, do what you want with it. Mm-hmm. Questionable that he slams a whiskey bottle by the ocean. I, I thought that was very irresponsible of a man of the sea. But <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 like, I, like, I like his quips. I thought he, 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 was, he was pretty cool. What did you think of the Atlantis scene, where he goes to Atlantis for the first time, which... Again, news to us as 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 the as the viewer. Right. Many takes on the character, but what do you think of that scene? Because I thought visually it was a little off when he's talking to Amber Heard and Nira. Honestly, what I thought the whole time was shooting scenes underwater is like the most difficult thing to make look good or cool ever. And, and mm-hmm. th- that's why Aquaman as a character is so hard because everything has to be connected to the water in some way. I also thought like it was very rushed. Like you said, like all of a sudden we're in Atlantis. Steppenwolf is just running shit. No one can mm-hmm. do anything. And then they go into this bubble and they're having a conversation. Didn't feel like it made sense to me. I'm not here to nitpick the plot. You right. know, that's not important. But you you also watch and you think, was that a reshot scene? Which script is that from? You know, you just, you just don't know mm-hmm. what skeleton part of the movie is from. And, you know, if you look ahead to get macro again for a second, Aquaman is the next DCEU movie coming out, the only one for next year, and it comes out about a year from now, December 2018, because there's no uh, Star Wars movie next December. And James Wan, directing it, did acknowledge the challenges of filming an underwater look, mm-hmm. but obviously they've, they've done more set work and higher production has been put into that, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but clearly uh, not investing much in underwater scene leaves a little bit more to be desired, as we saw in Justice League, so... I just hope that the Aquaman movie, I hope the underwater look isn't immediately polarized, and I hope it's not an immediate point of contention that people will use to shut down the movie. Because mm. that movie needs to be good. We need something that's not Wonder Woman to be liked. Right. 
And Ezra Miller showed us great promise as The Flash. That movie has had a lot of troubles with losing directors. So what are you more excited in, the idea of Aquaman movie or the idea of a Flash movie? Flash, I think, is a much cooler superhero in general. And I think just Ezra Miller, how much he stood out to me, makes me very excited. Watching his super speed scenes, I think they were enjoyable. We've kind of been exposed to that with Quicksilver in X-Men, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. But there's still mileage in that. And he's, he's funny and... Well, I thought Ezra Miller's jokes were probably like 50-50. Some of them I thought just weren't, weren't good jokes. Right. He's an enthusiastic Barry Allen, and he's more neurotic than uh, mm-hmm. the Barry Allen we get on The Flash from Grant Gustin on the CW. So it's, it's a different portrayal, but it's a likable one. So he's also in the younger leagues. He's only uh, 25, so it should be a building block for them. You know what I actually thought was a really cool scene was when they were talking about basically giving Steppenwolf's like, origin story. And they're talking about how they beat him last time and how they had help from all these different ways and they actually showed the green lantern yes that, that got me kind of hype i was like we need a green lantern movie even if it's like uh like a wonder woman where they put it back in time give me a green yes. lantern movie. yeah i mean that's a thing too like on one hand as a movie critic that scene was just annoying exposition you're wasting gal Gadot having her just you know right. woman splain to, to ben affleck right <laughs> on the other hand as, as a fan you see that and you see like zeus and artemis and even aries mm-hmm. who i didn't see all of them the first the first time i had to look up the easter eggs but they're all there as well as the green lantern who gets killed and you see his ring go right is that how jordan's ring the green lantern we're gonna get eventually mm-hmm. perhaps i mean i thought that was really cool to see as a fan you got robin wright's antiope there in yep. the cameo david thulis back for aries the comic book feel i think is cool and it works better if the movie is more consistent the very first scene of the movie when Batman is on that rooftop fighting that random burglar, you're, you're transported to Gotham, and it looks very comic booky. I thought visually it looked really cool, but we don't get much more of that. The burglar that he stops in that is the sidekick in Mindhunter, by the way. Yeah, no, he's a he was it McCowney, right? Yeah. He's a great character actor. I know he, he's one of he's a that dude. I was like, yes, he's that, that dude, he's that guy. Yes, and <laughs> he just lets him go because then the parademon shows up and no one right. gives a fuck about the parademon. Exactly. You know, just thinking in the future, let's say uh, like a, a Justice League two in a sense. Assuming all the characters were to come back, because I know that there's a lot of talk about what's going to happen with Affleck if he continues as Batman or not. They'll have a Batman. They will. regardless of who's playing it. If it was the same cast, including Batman, would you want Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon to direct that movie? I gotta say Joss, just because Wonder Woman, lighter movie, right? right? The best one so far. The other movies all try and do too much, or we're reek shot and we're so reactionary that tones change. Or mm-hmm. Suicide Squad and Justice League and Man of Steel were obviously leaving behind. We basically have a brand new Superman character. So I would say Whedon. I don't think it would be Whedon, but they just need to... Jeff Johns, who's basically the Kevin Foggy of DC, they need to just figure out what they are. And I think the last 15 minutes, a lot of fans are very hopeful of that. So I want to say Joss Whedon. Not, he wouldn't make it marvel but Marvel movies do know what they are. They have a, a brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. And DC just needs to get on board with whatever they're going to do. Right. And if it's the last 15 minutes of Justice League... All right, let's go with that and get whoever you can to do that the best. But I don't think it's Zack Snyder. No, I don't think so either. And actually, I think the the tone of Firefly is actually the perfect tone for Justice League to kind of take. A serious uh, sci-fi adventure, but it had Stanley Tudyk basically getting to do whatever he wanted. Alan Alan, Tudyk is Stanley Tudyk. (laughs) 
damn it. I, I was like, I was like, like running Nathan Fillion. My mind. I was like, I don't think this is right, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw it up. <laughs> to that point, Thor Ragnarok, a movie we both really liked. Mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok knows how fucking dumb it is. You know, <laughs> right. if you want to make serious superhero movies, you can. Christopher Nolan did it very well. Very you well. just need great directors and great scripts. And the problem is Zack Snyder has not been able to do that. These movies are dumb. They, they were dumb and serious. It's bad. You can't do that. So maybe Marvel takes the easy way out by making it fun the whole time, but they're delivering a good product. So again, I want DC to own what they are, and I think they have a plan. I mean, the post credit scene, you have Lex mm-hmm. Luthor escaped, got a cool death stroke by Joe Manganiello. Yeah. It was really cool to see. But they tease like a Legion of Doom kind of thing. What if they like have the Flash villain, whoever it is, reverse Flash, Zoom, whoever, come back in Justice League 2 as part of that Legion? Be have awesome. Cheetah, the Wonder Woman 2 villain, assumingly, come back for the Legion of Doom. Have one of the million Batman rogues come back mm-hmm. for the Legion of Doom. That's a cool idea. Let's get a plan going. I'm not saying you need to tease Thanos for fucking 10 years. Right. You just got to do more to show the fans that you have an idea. I don't want to say they can't do that yet because DC is so far behind the eight ball. We only have one movie coming out next year, and it's a solo movie. It's going very slow. So, you know, in a sense, again, I, I give them a pass for how not great this one is. I know it's funny, too, because just thinking about how... I mean, I, I would consider this movie a win for the most part for DC. There's definitely parts that yeah. leave a lot to be desired. But overall, like having good character moments and having superheroes people can get behind and excited for is awesome. Like that's, exactly. that's good for the brand. And I think no matter what happened, this movie was going to disappoint. I mean, this is the lowest opening weekend of any of the other DCEUs. I mean, Batman right. vs. Superman came out a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and it made over $70 million more million in the opening weekend. That, that's absurd. Crazy. Justice League, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman did way worse than Thor, Hulk, and Valkyrie, and Loki. The negative buzz was there, and... Whether this movie was 100% Snyder, 100% Whedon, unless you suddenly got a great scriptwriter to totally rework the movie mm-hmm. and totally win people over with that first trailer, this is going to happen. So like you said, it's a win because a lot of fans are hopeful. And that's really all you can take away. It's funny, though, because I, th- I think the best movie I saw this weekend was the trailer for, for Black Panther. Because, <laughs> dude, every time I watch that trailer, I like want to run through a brick wall. I want to see M- Michael B. Jordan just like doing his thing. Like I am so in on that movie. What is Black Panther macro level? It's a movie directed by Ryan Coogler, one of the exciting <laughs> yep. young filmmakers, totally owning it, all-black cast, set yeah. in Africa. And Matt Reeves... A great filmmaker did the the recent Planet of the Apes movies, which I love. He's doing the Batman, whether it's with Ben Affleck or not. Great talent. Yeah. You know, let's keep keep this going. Get somebody good on the Flash. Let's let's get it moving. I mean, they talk about a Deathstroke solo movie and Batgirl with Joss Whedon writing it, and a Nightwing movie, and whether it's Gotham City Sirens or Joker and Harley, Harley's gonna be in stuff because mm-hmm. Harley's one of their big characters. Yep. We have all this talk. Let's get some dates down. You know, let's get these movies made. So. Uh, like the cyborg solo movie i don't have any faith that it's going to exist let's pump our brakes on that <laughs> yeah the cyborg solo movie should be what, what the hulk solo movie is i was just gonna say that you put yep. barry allen and cyborg together mm-hmm. you do that Definitely. you know they don't all need their solos and green lantern Corps is on the docket shazam has been cast with uh, zachary levy and the rock will eventually be black adam so like yep. we, we know all this stuff but what's we gotta get more results, and again, it takes time because we have a whole other year to wait before Aquaman. So, yep. 
you're going to hear a lot of takes and a lot of people saying stuff, but at this point, you just got to wait. Any last thoughts on Justice League before we wrap up? Should people who are casual fans see it? I'd say so. I mean, if you've been watching all of them, I don't think, I mean, if you if you really want to stop, I mean, fine, I guess, go ahead. I mean, there's very few movies that feel like they matter, you know, in, in culture, and a big part of that is like the six, five to eight superhero movies every year to come out. Those are movies people talk about, people care about, they make money, and I mean, I feel like if you're going to see anything, you should see the superhero movies and you should see the Oscar movies we tell you are really good. Right? Lady Bird, I'm going to see it this week. Lady Bird might be my movie of the year. But, yeah, I mean, if you really want to skip it, I mean, go ahead. It's fun to watch, you know? I mean, you're not there with your glasses and your fucking notepad. I mean, right. your Just expectations aren't, aren't, aren't that high. Come on. Go take it for what it is. It's pretty much Exactly. I mean, it's Batman. Batman is still cool at the end of the day, and so is Wonder Woman. Like, right. whatever. I'll have to sell you on that. If you don't want to see it, don't see it. <laughs> We're going to wrap up there. What do we got on the docket for next week? Talk about the Deuce. If you want to talk about the Deuce? Yeah, I I, I finished the Deuce when it came out because I love that show. <laughs> uh, I'll be done by next week for sure. Let's see. So let me look at the count. So again, we don't have really any music per se. Um, see a Christmas album, bro. And yeah, Talib Kweli, T Pain dropped. Uh, no Eminem, which is fine. I mean, Black Bear comes out. Miguel twelve one. Jeezy twelve fifteen. Tavlo just drops. I mean, again, we're starting to slow down. Mm-hmm after taylor swift and then movies i mean we got think about how we want to do this because a lot of the oscar movies are going very slowly in limited release mm-hmm. lady bird just finally going wide this weekend right three billboards darkest hour call me by your name disaster Arts, shape of water there's a lot of good movies to see right. but not everyone's going to see them for a while so i don't know if we want to just save a lot of that till we do our year-end list in december let's talk lady bird next week lady bird sure. okay uh, i'm gonna see yeah. it so we might as well talk about it yeah if you see one movie over the extended holiday, please see Lady Bird. It's got 100% Rotten Tomatoes with like 100 plus reviews. And again, Rotten Tomatoes isn't everything, but when every critic likes it and none of them dislike it, I think that says something. It's pretty good. And pretty good. It, yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal movie. Yeah, and if you want to talk about anything, tweet at NostalgiaPod on Twitter or at Martin Swagger or at Sheeny World Peace. Drop the O. We want to hear from you. Give us feedback, leave a ring and review on iTunes. And uh, go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod to access all of our content. We appreciate all of your support and any feedback you give us. If you watch a movie mad late, you can go to our YouTube breakouts and catch the review after the fact. Just waiting for you. Waiting to be watched. (laughs) Then you can leave us a comment letting us know what you thought. All our music reviews are there too, so please let us know what you think. For Dave Martinson, myself, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. I believe in truth and justice and however that dumb quote went. <laughs> All my days, I pray and-